All right, boys, welcome to episode 104 of the Zay Coleman Podcast. If you do hear me cut out every now and then, it's because my microphone is not working. So, naturally, as it's a great way to segue into this podcast, something else wasn't working. My brain this morning, because literally trying to come up with an all-NBA team was the most difficult thing on the list. Like I said, we had award. All right, so basically... I probably should preference by saying this is the awards episode. I didn't get to watch any games this weekend. It was mainly a weekend, so of course I was not going to be I wasn't focused on basketball. I'm gonna be honest with y'all. This was just a fun time. Couldn't decompress for a couple of days. I got to watch a couple of games on Friday. Even watch some games on Saturday. Like I was watching the Pistons and the Thunder before. Or no, it was Pistons Pace. No. Pistons Thunder. Jesus. Pistons Thunder was Friday. Pistons Pacers, I was watching Sunday before Mania. So that was basically just catching Pistons games at that point. But man, I'm just first of all, I'm happy that Detroit gets to win games, but I'm also mad that like we low key just fell out of the top three. And basically, if we lose to the next three games, it's gonna be decided to be a coin toss. I'm not liking that because OKC is definitely not winning any more games this year. I pray that we don't win any more games this year. 23 and 59 sounds like an improved record from last year. That's all that matters. But I still do hope that top three pick does come here because guess what? That's a position we actually need and not settling for Jaden Ivey when we already have two good point guards on the team. So that's that's an option. With that being said, um like I said, man, this the all all NBA teams and all defense and all defensive low key, I slept on I was severely sleeping on somebody for all NBA team. So um I will preference by saying LeBron James is not on my All-NBA team only because I don't think he's eligible. I don't think he's played enough games to be considered an All-NBA team. Without a doubt, he definitely would be on the second team if like, if he was healthy or if he was even just eligible to be on the team. I'd definitely put him on my second team. But for right now, he does not sit on my All-NBA team. And again, that's not me discrediting LeBron. He's still a top five player in the league, whether we love it or not, like it or not. He is still top five, and it's just a shame that injuries kind of killed his season before it even really got a chance to to ramp up at the end. But that, with that being said, uh, the first before, before we get into the All NBA teams and all defensive teams, I will preference this by saying, whew, these are people that I pr- I'd prefer to be on the list, not people who I think is going to be on the list." So if y'all get upset at me for putting Patrick Beverly on the all defensive team, just don't don't. It's a it's an opinionated thing, bro. I promise you. Like I'm not sleeping on anybody else. It's been a great on the defensive end. It's just Pat Beverly is somebody I think, and I would go into in detail why I think every single one of these people deserve to be where they are on this list. And with that being said, if you don't like it, cool. We can argue about it on the, on the timeline. Whatever. I'm actually going to start out with the the teams first. I'm kind of going to go in reverse order of what I have written down because what I have written down actually is uh my <laughs> I have the awards first and then all NBA teams, but then I was had a conversation with uh, another fellow podcaster, NBA in depth, Luke's Burn. Shout out to the boy. And I was like, dang, we happen to be doing our all NBA teams on the same day because literally that's what I had planned for today's episode. Cause again, didn't have any, didn't have any like game notes written down, and like basically, like no real major developments outside of Ben Simmons being out for at least through the play-in, which is 
a week from now. So it's not like that's a shocking news. So yeah. Without further ado, I would like to get to the first first team or so we're gonna first we're gonna be doing all NBA teams because that's kind of that's gonna be the biggest hook for this one. Again, I will preference this by saying LeBron James is not on this team. So without further ado, again, stop we'll we'll stop shenanigan around and we get to the first team. John Morant is the first guard on this team. I would like to say that I low-key call Memphis, the Memphis Grizzlies taking the next step in this. Granted, I did not think they were going to be the second best team in the NBA, but taking the, the next huge major step in this development process led by John Morant and, spoiler alert, somebody that I think is going to be the coach of the year this year in Taylor Jenkins. Ja putting up absolutely absolutely ridiculous numbers, and I mean ridiculous numbers for a guy who's not necessarily classified as a good shooter at the point guard position, and essentially he's getting a lot of his points just slashing to the basket. But when you look at John Morant and you honestly look at what he has around him, which isn't the greatest supporting cast of all time, which is why I don't think they'll go far, but just the fact that he was able to take this team from, which essentially is last year's team, but you replaced Jonas Valanciunas with uh, Steven Adams, which depends on who you ask, you look at it as a downgrade. This team is goes from the borderline, like a, a Andrew Wiggins layup away from a lottery team, or I should say Draymond Green layup away, from a lottery team to a legitimate second seed in the Western Conference in 12 months. And that's like, legit. Just the development of John Morant from being, you know, borderline all-star point guard last year to an MVP candidate this year. You can honestly look at as look at that as the most improved candidate, but even then, I think he's he was already a great player to begin, but he just need he just had to take the next step both in as an individual and for the Grizzlies as a team to just be the guy on the offensive end and still being a solid uh, enough defender to where you don't have to necessarily put all the pressure on Jaron Jackson Jr. or Dylan Brooks. Spoiler, Dylan Brooks being out for 30% of the season kind of hurt Memphis's, or honestly, probably more than that. But, like, be, him being out and they get – they and, again, I have been preaching this since day one. Memphis being one of the deeper teams in the league, but led by an MVP candidate is the direct reason they're the two-seed right now and not, like, the six, seven seed like, Utah or Dallas or whatever. Yeah, Luca is a great player, which spoiler alert is my other guard in the on the first team, but he doesn't have necessarily have that surrounding cast around him, which is why they're back and forth between the fifth and sixth seed with Denver. Memphis has done that, and again, John Morant deserves all the credit in the world. I'm absolutely a huge fan, and just the way he plays, it's just it it moves you as a fan, bro. Because it's like, man. This this is and this dude was only like 21, 22 years old. He's got ten plus years of doing this on an athletic base, and even then, in the next ten years, he's going to be a higher IQ basketball player to where he's not going to be the guy that's he's going to be he's not going to be Derrick Rose two where he's you have to rely on his athleticism or even Russell Westbrook I should say relying on his athleticism for most of his career, and then once it goes, he doesn't have a fallback. He is going to have a fallback because. 
he's learning under a tree of Taylor Jenkins and Kyle Landerson and Steven Adams to where these are high IQ basketball players that are that he he can learn under for the next couple of years. And it doesn't seem like it's out of place because he still looks decent. Now, next uh, guard on my list, Luka Doncic. Again, first half, first with 15, 20 games of the year, play came in. He was still putting them good numbers, good, good numbers. What, 20.7 rebounds, six assists, something like that. But the question for him was, and it was the same thing with Nikola Jokic a few years ago. He always came in, quote unquote, out of shape. I think at one point the report was like he was like 260. And this is like in December. He was like 260. Well, basically, again, like Nikola Jokic would play his way into shape. And my God, from the Kristaps Porzingis trade to now, he's just put on some of the most ridiculous scoring numbers. And Dallas have won, has won even without Porzingis, basically repl- replacing Porzingis with Spencer Dinwiddie. And this Dallas Mavericks team went from what the seventh, eighth seed in the Western Conference to fighting for home court advantage, and that's due to Luka Doncic putting up 30-plus games in almost every single game since he's been since the Porzingis trade. And I want to preface this by saying Luka Doncic, I don't think he was really really out of shape, quote-unquote. It was just rust because, he, again, he hadn't played since the first round last year, which last year was, what, May? And he came in in November, not really a guy that's super working out in the offseason. I just... Out of shape was maybe the term. It's just I don't think it was as excessive as the news or the reports made it out to be. I think it was just a more of just a, a slow start factor. And then once he ramped it up in around January and even at the deadline, that's when he really, really started to turn up. And that's just and that's kind of how I view his game as a whole. He's not going to be a guy that's coming out in the first month and a half of the season, averaging 35. He's going to be a guy that plays with pace, and that's basically been his his game since he came into the league. Is He's always been a pace guy. He's never been a guy that's off to fast starts. You even look at some of his, unless he's unless he's playing the Lakers, he's not going to be a guy. He's going to be a guy that he turns it up in the second half, but never really a guy in the first half that's going to be putting up like 25 in the first quarter type guy. Unless he he's going to have one of those nights that where he just sparks off but I don't think he's going to be a consistent first quarter guy and then rest his way in the fourth quarter like a Giannis or even a Joel Embiid. So, again, speaking of those guys, the forwards, the first forward on the first team is uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo. And, again, the preference is by saying Giannis absolutely deserves this this, this spot. I will have – and I'll get to Joel Embiid when I get to Joel because I'm going to have a conversation with the NBA just a little bit. Giannis Antetokounmpo is probably the most underrated 30-point scorer of all time. This man is averaging a legitimate 30 points, playing 70 games in the regular season. And I don't think it's really ever going to be like taken serious because, again, Nikola Jokic is putting up some of the most, basically having the best statistical season of all time. And Joel Embiid is averaging 30 as a legit 7-foot-1 center. But my goodness, like Giannis deserves just as much love as that other two. And I think this is low, this was low key turned into a two man race around early mid March with Joel and, and Jokic. But Giannis really was playing just as uh, basically at an equal level as opposed 
as just as much of an equal level as those guys. And I feel like Giannis, and even again, you don't you watch Giannis on a couple play, and yes, he's aggressive, but it's a, a low key aggressiveness, which is kind of you know it it basically like counters itself. But it's like Giannis plays at a level that you don't really you ain't looking at it, but at, when you look at the box score and he got thirty five. Like you, you feel like man, that don't even feel like Giannis had thirty five, and it was like that with LeBron James too early. Or I wasn't wouldn't say early, but around late Heat run into the Cavs run. Now you you look at LeBron, yeah, you could definitely tell this man is putting up forty points because he's the only person with the ball in his hands. But with Giannis, he isn't a guy that because again he's playing with a Chris Middleton who can score, he's playing with a Drew Holiday that gets his buckets, playing with a Bobby Portis that get that gets his guys that are shooters like a Grayson Allen like. Before you got traded, Dante DiVincenzo, Pat Connaughton, Jordan Ward, Rodney Hood, et cetera, et cetera. He was playing with all of these, George Hill. He was playing with guys that, you know, they, he makes contributions. So it makes Giannis's quote unquote, or makes Giannis's contrib- contribution feel less. But in reality, he's putting up 30, 13, and six just as a, basically, as the a big man, as not even a big, basically a big man that's handled in the ball, but it feels almost underrated in a way that Giannis is putting up these ridiculous numbers just based off of the fact that his team is actually good as opposed to LeBron James, who's probably not even going to make the play in this year because his team is that bad. But next, we're going to have a conversation. Joel Embiid is next on my list, obviously. Joel Embiid deserves as much recognition as much as Nikola Jokic. I will preference this by saying... Joel Embiid is not a forward, so why would you classify him as a forward? I understand people are going to look back and like, oh, Joel Embiid made the second team, but Jason Tatum made the first team. I guarantee you people don't care. Joel Embiid coming in second does not mean that Joel Embiid is a bad player. Can We can preference that also. That's something that we have to have a conversation about. Joel Embiid is not a forward. <laughs> He has not played a single second of forward. Like, when Andre Drummond was on the team, Andre Drummond was playing non-Joel Embiid minutes. He and Joel were switching sides, switching spots at center. They were never playing together. You say that now? DeAndre Jordan has not played a single second of basketball with Andre Drummond or with uh, DeAndre Jordan in Philly. So why are we making this? Because uh, this, it's not like, oh, you know, switch Joel Embiid and Tobias Ayers. No, Joel Embiid has not played a single second of forward this year. So why is Joel Embiid classified as a forward? I understand that you don't want to diminish he and Jokic's uh, quote-unquote legacies by making one of them the second team. Guarantee you, you can look it up five, ten years from now. And Jokic and Joel Embiid are number one and number two in the MVP conversation. So Joel Embiid being on the second team does not diminish his legacy because, oh, Jokic made the first team, so Jokic was obviously better than him this year. No, Joel Embiid is still a top three player this season because just off the fact that he's putting up these ridiculous numbers. And yes, he he's a foul merchant. Everybody's guilty of it. He is definitely a guy that looks for contact because he's seven foot two. Of course, you're going to look for contact. 72270, I might add. Being a big big man that nobody can stop. Of course, people are going to foul you. But I will say this also. Like Joel Embiid, just because he's doing this does not mean 
if he makes the second team, oh, we're automatically going to discredit the fact that he's averaging 30 and 14 right now. Like, we're that's it's not going to be that situation at all. So why would you want to force that narrative? And it makes just, in fact, forcing this narrative makes it feel less important that Joel Embiid is on, just because you basically, you essentially gave him a first team all NBA based off of pity. Not because he's the uh, like, not because he's an MVP candidate, but you basically felt bad that oh he's probably going to make the second team even though he's putting up these ridiculous numbers because Nikola Jokic is the MVP, literally the MVP of basketball. Like if who was the last? I'm trying to think of before Jokic who was last center to win MVP, like probably Shaq in my like. Granted, I don't think there was really a center that was close to Shaq's level. So whoever made the second, I, like I'm, I'll look it up real quick as I. Just because, like, Shaq made the All-NBA team in 2000, to the, I think it was 2000, 2001, as a first team, doesn't mean whoever was on the second team looked like a bum. But in reality, like, it's just somebody's got to come in second, bro. Like, you can't, you're not going to give out a co-MVP. Like, Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic and Giannis Antetokounmpo, yeah, they're going to, they're they're all guys that, that, uh, that feel... Like what's they these are guys that go are going to feel and they they feel important just because they're top three MVP candidates right now. They don't have to uh, they don't need realistically an all NBA team does not matter in the grand scheme of things. So why would you force the fact that just because Joel's on the second team, it it hurts, bro. Like I said, it just hurts that these dudes are essentially going to be granted. First NBA te- or first uh, all NBA team that potentially they don't deserve. Like it, it, it just sucks, man. It just sucks that this is a situation. This is the fact that this is even a conversation. It's just it's bogus, bro. It's it's bogus because like why would you even do it, man? But anyways, Nikola Jokic is the the other big man again. If it wasn't very obvious by now. It sucks, man. It really does suck that any yeah. Nikola Jokic, but yeah, yeah. Nikola Jokic. It's not even a a discussion at this point. Like, by the way, Dikembe Mutombo was the second second best center according to the NBA, and then David Robinson, old older David Robinson, was third. If you if you care. Oh wait, the, never mind. I <laughs> looked up, looked up the wrong year. Okay, so that was 2001. It's probably the same in 2000, if I'm being honest with you. But, yeah, the, the point still stands, though. Like, it was... I don't even know how... Why would... I'm not going to stress this. Like I said, Nikola Jokic is self-explanatory. He's going to probably be the MVP of the league this year. So, in, again, putting up, like I said, basically the best statistical season of all time. And, no, this is not a... a, a uh, a podcast for, uh, this isn't a an award for the nerds it's not a it's, it's it's not because it's analytical like nick i'm not going to talk about nick Wright, bro because that that three and a half minute video of just him just going on a tirade again uh, on everybody that just i i don't i don't want to stress myself out because it's essentially like <laughs> Oh my goodness, this sucks, bro. It sucks. It sucks, bro. Oh, by the way, the second second center of Shaq's MVP year was Alonzo Mourning. Cool. And then Dave Robinson made the third, third team anyway. Anyways, point still stands. 
Nikola Jokic is again is self-explanatory. Yes, the advanced and then okay. All right, you know what? Forget it. We're gonna go on this tirade because this genuinely made me upset, bro. Genuinely did make me upset. Because he says that basic basically his tirade is that Jokic is only winning the MVP because of an analytical number. Like basically saying if you watch Nikola Jokic play, he doesn't play like an MVP, which he doesn't. He's not a he's flashy this uh the, you know all, all he's not going to be this guy that's putting up 50 and 60 points in a game. He's not going to be a guy that you're going <sighs> to Okay. So when all right, when I All right, so the quote is Nikola Jokic's entire MVP case, case is the computers tell me I'm an idiot if I don't vote for him. Is it possible your beloved computers are flawed? You watch this man play. First of all, all right, so Nikola Jokic has had three clutch blocks this year, by the way. Like, he's had three game-winning blocks just on the defensive end. Like, and all right, so to back up, for Nick Wright's argument, essentially, for the MVP is that, or the reason that Jokic is not the MVP is because the stats he's winning in, other players have a, a better case than, you know, certain stars. Like, his case... That when the reason that win shares don't matter for Nikola Jokic is because Mitchell Robinson has a higher win shares than uh than LeBron James and Steph Curry. Who cares? This argument isn't about Mitchell Robinson, Steph Curry, LeBron James, or Kevin Durant. This argument is about Nikola Jokic. Nikola Jokic is winning in this. He's basically saying that these numbers don't matter because Mitchell Robinson's a good basketball player. Like that does not make sense to me whatsoever. He says, "Would you rather take Mitchell Robinson or LeBron James?" First of all, who cares? Neither neither player mattered this year. Let's be honest. LeBron James is putting up 30 points that will break the scoring record next year. But this specific season, neither player matters. So why should we care that Nikola Jokic's season, Nikola Jokic being an MVP candidate doesn't matter because Mitchell Robinson and LeBron James don't matter. Like, that's essentially his argument. Him saying that Kevin Love's offensive box score plus minus is better than DeMar DeRozan automatically that makes Nikola Jokic's MVP candidacy worthless, which is completely false, by the way, because, again, we're not comparing Kevin Love or DeMar DeRozan, at least in the last two months, as MVP candidates. We're comparing Nikola Jokic as an MVP candidate, which, again, the numbers back up. The, forget advanced stats. Counting stats and his overall play and the fact that he's his best, second best player is Aaron Gordon and somehow they're not a playing team that's the reason why that Nikola Jokic is an MVP candidate not because his his vorp is better than uh than James Harden I'm just naming out for a random player like I'm like that's <laughs> that is mind boggling to me that Nicole, the reason Nikola Jokic is an MVP candidate is not because again it's not because he's winning an offensive box plus minus it's because he's putting up 25 13 and 8 with his second best player being at best a 3 and D Aaron Gordon and a inconsistent Will Barton that's the reason why he's an MVP candidate like it's ridiculous to me that people, and again, it's not just Nick Wright, it's not just Stephen A. Smith, whatever. It's media pundits in general, at least 
I should say, I should preface this by saying mainstream media pundits, because there's guys that like the BR boys and, you know, no dunk, those guys, they're not stupid. We're, we'll point that out. They're not going out of their way to look stupid when it comes to deciding these sort of awards and and stuff like it. It is literally the mainstream media that is saying that, oh, well, Nikola Jokic is only MVP because nerds think he's a good basketball. No, that's that's a garbage take. It's literally because, again, I will I will stress this until the end of time. 25, 13, and 8 as a 7-foot unathletic center with his second-best player being Aaron Gordon, third-best player being Will Barton, and his fourth-best player being Jeff Green. and Or, I guess, Monte Morris. Monte Morris. We'll, we'll give Monte Morris his respect. His fourth-best player being Monte Morris, who, spoiler alert, was in the G League three years ago. So I will point this by saying, Nikola Jokic's MVP candidacy is a solely... Well, I wouldn't say solely because, again, the numbers back it up. But his main MVP candidacy is specifically because he's doing all the craziness that those numbers back up with the talent he has, the lack of talent he has around him. I'm sorry that I believe that Nikola Jokic is a great basketball player and is probably going to be the MVP this year, mind you. I cannot wait to watch the Twitter clip of Nick Wright going on a tirade about analytics this is just an old man argument at this point he's just going to be he's just turning it into an old head at this point yes numbers matter in the nba do uh, do they matter more than anything no obviously the the eye test is probably the in my opinion again in my opinion the most important way to judge an mvp candidate in general granted situation is obviously going to matter numbers obviously matter and then of course the eye test always matters or most of the time matters i should say I can't for the life of me understand why people don't under, don't get that. But again, that might just be young me just just talking. Like I said, why does my opinion matter? My opinion doesn't matter. This is just me talking into a microphone. I'm just just a regular average Joe in a microphone. That's all I am. Let's not pretend that I'm this this this, this all around just this I'm not being paid millions and millions of dollars on ESPN or Fox Sports or whatever to talk basketball. No, I'm just I'm not even being paid for this if I'm being honest with you. I'm just or paid good at least I should say. I'm just chilling with a microphone. That is literally all I am. But I'm be honest, I'm not going to be going out of my way to look stupid just to prove a point. <sighs> Anyways, now that that's now that that is out of the way, All-NBA second team, I'm going to be honest with you, one of the forwards I completely slept on, and I put him, I ended up putting him on the list, but it's like literally only because I actually, I had already finished my All-NBA team, and was looking at my All-Defensive team when I thought about this player, but we'll get to him in a little bit. First guard on my uh, All-NBA team is Steph Curry. Obviously, two, three months into the season, had an argument for the first team, but then the injury kind of set him back a little bit. The injury coinciding with John Moran and the Grizzlies becoming the second seed in the Western Conference kind of uh, put that in put that in the perspective. But John Moran or Steph Curry is still still an all time great, still an excellent NBA player even to this day. And definitely, once the Warriors get fully healthy, I can expect this team to be a Conference Finals appearance. I should put an asterisk there by saying 
if they don't meet Phoenix in the second round. If the, I, basically, I think it's going to be Phoenix and Golden State in the conference finals if they do meet. I think the Warriors probably beat the Grizzlies in a seven-game series. Fully healthy, I should say. I should, Again, I should preference by saying fully healthy, which, granted, you can't guarantee full, full health in the playoffs, but it fully healthy, I think the Golden State Warriors beat the Memphis Grizzlies in the second round. But again, that's just an opinionated man that with a microphone. But again, again, self, really, these all NBA teams are not really self. These are self-explanatory, honestly. Like I can't, I'm not gonna give you. I I can't give you a 15 minute breakdown of why Steph Curry is the an All NBA like deserves to be on an All NBA team. Same with my number, my second guard, which is Devin Booker. Dev, literally, Devin Booker and Chris Paul were my guys that I were going back and forth with, but. Devin Booker ended up being the guy just because he played more. Like, like I said, really just the numbers look. But honestly, the Phoenix Suns could – the Phoenix Suns literally could sub out anybody and they'd still be the best team in the league. Like, that's – that's uh, that. first of all, that is a Monty Williams thing. And Monty Williams, I think, literally, I um, don't have him as my coach of the year because I don't think he's eligible. Same thing with LeBron James not being on my all-NBA team. Like, I don't think he's eligible for the for the award, which is – because I think he, he won it last year, didn't he? I'm pretty sure he won the coach of the year last year, which is why I don't think he's eligible this year. But he's still really good a real, and a great coach. Probably the best coach in the league, honestly, but probably can't be voted for the award. So we'll get to coach of the year later. But Steph Curry, or sorry, Devin Booker, goodness. First of all, definitely should be getting some love for the MVP, which he did. I think he finished top six in voting, like in the uh, in the straw poll. He finished top six or top five in the in the MVP, which again definitely deserved the love there. But realistically, I I didn't see him winning, but at least he got a little bit of love for it, which is all that matters, man. Uh, second team or the first forward, Jason Tatum. I had completely slept on Jason Tatum, which sucks because again I was like I said I was doing my uh my due my due diligence on the defensive player of the year candidacy and seeing that he was number 1 in I believe it was number 1 in uh defensive blocks box plus minus I'm pretty sure it might have been yeah, it was is uh defensive block box plus minus he was number 1 in which surprised me because I'm like he's a great defender but like I just didn't think cuz again he's a great defender and he's on the best defensive team in the league but he's also playing with Marcus Smart and, and Robert Williams and Al Horford so it's like how much does that defensive uh, the defensive numbers really count in that situation? But still surprised me nonetheless. But I didn't even think of like yeah, Jason Tatum is also the probably the second best pure scorer in the NBA. <laughs> like that that probably should be something that we should talk about too. Like him and Devin Booker really right there is top. I and mean, Kevin Durant also I should preface by saying Kevin Durant Kevin Durant is a number one scorer, but Book and Tatum are right there too. But again, I will preface this by saying. Goodness gracious, Jason Tatum, how quick, how quick of a turnaround was this? Where they went from playing team that we were questioning whether they should trade one of the big, one of the Jays. By the way, the the uh, the, the nickname was it like the the Jays Bros or something like that. That's a terrible nickname. Just J and J Security is probably the, the 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 name right there. Just 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 a thought. I mean, it's probably. Copyrighted, but nonetheless. Anyways, uh, JT, goodness gracious, did they like? How do you, how do you not put him on the on the, on the All NBA team? Again, a team that's been fighting for the first seed. He's a top five scorer. Like it's again, it's self-explanatory why he should be the number one guy on this on this list. 
but when you look at just when you look at just overall who he's playing with, what he's playing for, and how how he came off of the disappointment of last season, and even like in the tournament, like in the Olympics, wasn't all that. Like it just it just so happened that when he came back, first of all, he like I believe it was a coat. I believe it was a COVID situation with him last year, and then came out this year where it's like he was still trying to get used to the the new basketball that they had, they brought up because they weren't really using Spalding anymore. And once he got used to it, he was averaging like thirty plus. Like that, Jason Tatum started off severely cold, and again the the playmaking issues, locker room issues, and the whole nine. And now Boston looks like a legit contender right now. Again with all of the 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 Kyrie and Kemba stuff that they've been through, it and all of that through the last five years, it just so happens that the the worst starting point guard they had, quote unquote, Dennis Schroeder, and then now. I believe Marcus Smart is still the starting point guard there. Like now that that's a thing, like all of a sudden they're the a legit contender, probably the best this team has looked since they had IT and MVP Isaiah Thomas at that. Like, and that's how, and it just so happens to be really was it was like that, and it just so happens to be like this team isn't. This is a two-star team as opposed to a as opposed to a three-star team. Like this is very obviously a team led by JB and JT, with great supporting cast and a team that's I wouldn't say deep, but a team that's investing in their young talent for once. Like Aaron Neesmith is actually getting PT on this team. Grant Williams is getting legit PT on this team. Peyton Pritchard is getting legit PT, as opposed to it essentially being. How many? How many? How many minutes can JT and JB run? Because we don't really trust who's on our bench right now, outside of again Marcus Smart. Now that Marcus Smart's in the starting, they gotta trust guys like Pete, uh, Peyton Pritchard. They gotta trust guys like Aaron Smith, Grant Williams, Daniel Tice to an extent. Like they, these are guys that. Sure, yeah, you don't necessarily gotta be a a great. Like this, this isn't a great, a deep team like I've mentioned with Phoenix or like I've mentioned with. Memphis and I guess to some extent the Miami Heat too, but it's guys that have have come that have contributed by committee, and that's what I really really like about this team is yeah JT is putting up great ridiculous numbers JB is putting up some real ridiculous scoring numbers as well, but again it's guys like Al Horford it's guys like Marcus Smart they're willing to do the dirty work guys like again before he was traded. Guys like uh, Josh Richardson was doing the same work. Now it's Derek White doing that same work. Um, even guys like, again, like Peyton Pritchard, who guys, they, yeah, you really only need them to have one great game. And that, and because again, JT is not going to have one of those games where he's shooting four for 25 in the field. Like he's not going to be that guy. Jalen Brown may have one game like that. But realistically, these are two really consistent, efficient scores on this team. And that's why I like this team is because. You don't have you don't like Jason Tatum has never been a guy that's had that's choked in a playoff game or even JB has never been a guy that's choked in the playoff game. Like you can trust these guys wholeheartedly to give you good moments in the playoffs. And really, you just need one game from Peyton Pritchard, similar to like Kevin Herter last year. Kevin Herter essentially got the bag because he had that crazy game against Philly. When in reality. Yeah, he's a solid guard, but realistically, he had the one game uh, on his schedule 
he just so happened to play like an all-time great scorer, uh, all-time great shooter, and essentially eliminated a top seed in Philadelphia last year. I can see that same thing happen with Boston this year. It was like Peyton Pritchard goes off for 25 in game six of, of the first round. Or, I don't know. Marcus Smart has 30 or Derek White has 30. Something something ridiculous. Like, like Seth Curry was last year for Philly or um, a guy like uh, Bobby Ports was from Milwaukee last year. A guy like Land or uh, – most of Landry Shamit, but a guy like Javon Carter, or even like a guy like um, Cameron Payne for Phoenix, like he, they're gonna be guys on this team that just have one really crazy game, and it's the different. Or Terrence, Man- Terrence Mann is probably the biggest example from last year, the guy that just has one crazy game, and it's the direct reason why you advance to uh to the next round of the playoffs. Again, health is obviously going to be something that they've got to look for, but. This team healthy, I think, could be a, a scary team in the playoffs. And Jason Tatum is going to be the main guy on the team, that main guy that leads that team to whatever, basically wherever they want is essentially where until they run against Miami because Miami is going to be the true test because they've never beaten the Miami Heat. And we just got to see what happens next year, man. But uh, the second team on my all on the all NBA, second guy on the all NBA team again, self explanatory. It's Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant, obviously, I ha- I had to look it up, but yet he is eligible for the All-NBA team this year. And deservingly so, man, because, again, a guy that's fighting for a scoring title. Let's be honest, though. This Nets team is is mumbo-jumbo. Obviously, Ben Simmons isn't going to be playing for the next couple of weeks. Kyrie, it depends on if the Raptors hold that's the sixth seed or they fall to seven. If the Raptors are the seventh seed, I don't see this Nets team making it. Because if Kevin Durant has to go to Toronto by himself against that defensive team in Toronto, you can kiss the Nets goodbye. If they just so happen to play Cleveland in the first round, not saying it's an NBA conspiracy or not, but if they so happen to play Cleveland in the first round of the playoffs, which they probably will because it's like a two-and-a-half game advantage, I can see potentially the Nets. The the great the granted they're gonna to have to play the Hornets. They're gonna play the Hornets in the first round. And yes, the Hornets are a god awful defensive team. They've been good recently, but overall this season they have not been a good defensive team whatsoever. If Kyrie is playing and he's he's gonna probably gonna get the Terry Rozier matchup. If I'm being honest, Terry Rozier is probably gonna be the defender on that on that team. And I don't even know who you put on Kevin Durant at this point. It's probably gonna be like Miles Bridges, but Kevin Durant's gonna have his way. Same thing with Kyrie. You're going to need, again, like we mentioned with uh, Boston earlier, you're going to need a Patty Mills game. You're going to need a, a, a Goran Dragic game. You're going to need a Cam Thomas game. Probably going to need a game for one of your bigs. I don't know which seven, 17 bigs you got on the roster. One of those guys is probably going to have – Seth Curry is going to come to play. That's just a given. But like, you're going to need a Dre to have a game. You're going to have Nico Claxton have a game. If you do give LaMarcus or Blake Griffin minutes, they're going to have to be decent for you too. Like you can't just have a Kevin Durant because we just saw Kevin Durant could go get fifty five and Kyrie could come to play, but if nobody else is on them on the is nobody else is giving any sort of effort, like you can lose to an Atlanta Hawks. Look, guess look literally looking at this, Kevin Durant had fifty five and Kyrie had thirty one, but then you get Andre Drummond having eight, Kessler Edwards having nine, Patty Mills didn't score in thirty one minutes. James Johnson, three points in 31 minutes. Nico Claxton, four points in 24 minutes. 
Cam Thomas five points in twenty four minutes. Blake Griffin only played six minutes. So I give him. I'll give him the leeway there. But like, and again, they got to come on the defensive end, which they still have not shown eighty games into the season. They still have not shown that they're a competent defensive team, and that's why you get eaten up by an Atlanta Hawks. Definitely going to get eaten up by Charlotte Hornets, which they are an all offense team. Miles Bridges is a great scorer. Miles uh, Lamelo Ball has been a great offensive player this year. Terry Rozier is still a really good scorer on this team. Gordon Hayden, Gordon Hayward, if he comes back healthy, he's going to be a a, a a serviceable offensive player for them too. Mason Plumlee, he can set you some screens. That's basically all you're going to really good. He can give you some a few assists too. Montrezl Harrell, again, will be good in the pick and roll, especially against a Brooklyn Nets team that does not have a good defensive big man. I'm sorry, Nico Claxton is is okay on the defensive end. I'm not trusting him going to pick and roll with Lamelo Ball and Terry Rozier. I'm sorry. You can fight me on that all you want. Definitely, I'm not trusting Andre Drummond, especially if he's starting. I'm not trusting Andre Drummond early in the game or even late in the game as a pick-and-roll defender. Again, LaMelo's probably going to eat that live. You just got to pray that Kevin Durant has 60 that night because if not, do not expect Brooklyn to be in the playoffs. All-NBA second-team big man. This was – I mean, it wasn't a difficult decision, but it was – it made me think, like, you really could have gave Joe Willis a spot, if I'm being honest with you. Carl Anthony Towns is great. He's had a good season, all in, uh, all-star, in my opinion, at least. Second team, though, he, he had, he's had a good stretch. But the numbers have definitely fallen off. Great, the team is better. That's always great to see. Especially with a guy like Carlton Towns, who's been through so much with this organization in the last seven, eight years. He deserves every bit of the success that he's getting. Now, again, I will preface this by saying, this ain't a team that I will... Um, this ain't a team that I'm, I'm liking... I'm, I'm, I don't know. It's not, it's not even a team thing. It's, it's called... It, Carl Anthony Towns is a great NBA player. I will, again, I will preface this by saying Carl Anthony Towns is amazing. But him being on the third team probably suits him better, in all honesty. It probably suits him better. Seventh seed, the team all in all is, is all right. It's a good story. Good story of them being a potential playoff team. I think they got to play the uh, Clippers in the first round of the play-in. They've guaranteed being no higher than or no lower than seven. So that's again, that is a great story. But does it really matter? Does it even matter if this team said, say they lose, they got to play Paul George in the first round, and unless Patrick Beverly is on his P's and Q's, Paul George is going crazy, and I don't see them ever, or not ever, but I'm, I don't see them beating the Clippers. Again, with that being said, Minnesota's again, Carlton Towns. I, I will preface this by saying Carlton Towns is a great NBA player. I was, there's zero disrespect there. I just don't see him as the second best center voted, the second best center in the NBA. Third, maybe. Fourth, iffy. Not second, though. Joe again, we know Joel Embiid is the second best center, or Joel or Jokic, whoever you prefer. They're the top two centers in the league. It again, this and this goes back to the Joel Embiid argument. It was like, why is Joel Embiid being voted as a forward? You could put KD or 
Jason Tatum, whoever again, whoever you prefer, as the second forward, with Giannis playing being the first forward voted, Giannis and, T- and Tatum being forward, Joel being second center, Cat being the third team, and then we don't have to fall into a, into the situation of me putting Rudy Gobert on an all defense or an all NBA team because I don't think Rudy Gobert deserves it. Granted, probably would vote him before Bam Adebayo, which again Bam's been good, but not he's not been consistent. I still don't want to put Rudy Gobert on this list. Cat deserves to be the third center in this on this list over Rudy Gobert. I don't want I it's, it, it again, it goes back to the argument of Carl Anthony Towns. It, why are we putting the centers that why are we putting non-forwards on this list as forwards? And why are we putting it again? It forces me to put Rudy Gobert on the center list, which again, not granted, it's not Rudy Gobert's fault necessarily that Rudy Gobert, I don't want to put Rudy Gobert on this list because we have definitely seen that this Utah Jazz team does not like each other. This team does not fit whatsoever, and this team ain't going nowhere because currently they're at 60, and they will be playing the Warriors in the first round. You can kiss that playoff, playoff hope goodbye, my friend. But realistically, I'm not, I don't, I just don't want to put, I can't put Rudy Gobert on this list because Rudy Gobert, in all honesty, has been the same player since he came into the NBA. Just playing more minutes. Playing minutes fluctuate and whether his numbers go up or down. But realistically, is the same player, just slightly more. He's finishing at the rim better, which I guess that's a some that's something. He's shooting with almost 70% from the field at this point. But my God, why are we doing this, bro? Why are we doing this? Why are we... third team? Chris Paul is my first guard. Again, self-explanatory. Again, I had to look it up, but he is eligible. Playing if he play, I think he's, he's got to play the last three games, which he probably he probably won't honestly. But Chris Paul, I think, still is eligible. So with that being said, he is the third guard, third easy third point guard. Him and Trey Young in my backcourt again. Trey Young, like the way he this Hawks team, Loki thought this Hawks team wasn't even going to make the play in, but then I estimated how bad the Wizards team is post Porzingis trade, and or with Bradley Bill being hurt and Kuzma essentially being the second best player on this team. I understand why now. But that being said, I would. I don't know, man. Because there wasn't a. I literally was sitting here thinking, what other guard deserves to be here? Like, I was thinking, like, James Harden is probably on his list. But then again, James Harden is low key struggled, and Loki just got clamped up by Killian Hayes. Why would I put him on the third team? Drew Holiday was a guy that I thought about, but then it was like, Trey Young is better than Drew Holiday. I think it's safe to say that. So Drew Holiday, I gave the benefit of the doubt to on the defensive team, but yeah, there was not a whole lot of any and other guards I could put here besides Trey Young. Like I said, Trey Young's still a really good player, so obviously you reward him as such. I didn't even realize. Yeah, this is again me just going off on a tirade. We're forty six minutes into this episode, and I'm still an All NBA team. <laughs> I probably should not have gone on that Nick rant, Nick Wright rant, but it needed to be. It needed to be said, bro. Forwards, again, was literally before I thought about Jason Tatum. I was like, what forward would I put over him? Like first forward I had was Pascal Siakam. 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 I legit could not think of another forward to put on this. Like again, before Jason Tatum came to my mind. Like when I literally, like when or came to mind, I should say, like Jason Tatum was literally the guy that I, I had blanked on for some reason. 
like Chris Middleton was my second forward. And again, this isn't me saying that Chris again, I made it almost an basically an entire episode of me just saying Chris Middleton's the most underrated scorer we've seen in this league. I can't for the life of me just think like Chris Middleton should not be the guy that I put here, right? And then I think, oh yeah, Jason Tatum is like MVP candidate, and I just completely blanked on him. But yeah, the first forward I have is Pascal Siak. The Raptors are not a playing team anymore, and probably won't be a play playing team. A team that's fighting for the fifth seed in the Eastern Conference of Chicago. They're neck and neck at this point. Trust me. Shoot, Toronto finishes at the fifth seed. There's no reason that you can't argue uh, Pascal Siakam being on this list. And again, a guy that's an all-star, guy that or replacement, but still an all-star. Like and a guy that honestly should have been voted in all, not voted, but a guy that should have been a legit all-star to begin with. Definitely deserves all the the, the roses he gets on this. Um, to be, we talked about the Chicago Bulls earlier. DeMar DeRozan is the second forward. Again, somebody who I was absolutely high. I was on the DeMar DeRozan MVP train early in the season. I was on the Chicago Bulls tra- uh, train early in the season because, you know, they were the first seed and they were a team that we were talking about. Maybe, man, are the Bulls contenders for the first time since MJ? They were giving DeMar DeRozan these, these scoring accol- accolades. And I was legit on the, the DeMar DeRozan MVP wagon, man. You could die titled episodes called DeMar DeRozan should be the MVP of his league. But that was January, and here we are in April, and the Bulls have absolutely fallen off a cliff. Still a, a fifth seed in the Eastern Conference and only five and a half games in the first seed. Granted, again, they can't legit get there, but there's still it's still possible for them to get to the the uh get a home court spot, potentially get the third seed, second seed. I don't think they have, they can catch Boston, but they could definitely catch Philly and Milwaukee as a first seed or as a third seed, I should say. But it 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 it, it sucks, man. That like the Bulls were that close to me being like, man, they could legit contend for something, and now they're probably uh, they they could. I don't know, man. Joel's gonna eat Vucevic alive, but I think they could potentially compete with with Philly. I think, and again, this is somebody that was high on Philly after they traded for James Harden. But this team, look, legit, I'm disappointed in Detroit uh, and Philly after they lost to Detroit, man. I'm sorry. And again, this is coming as a Pistons fan. Like I'm, I was legit disappointed in this Philly team. Like, and on one side, I'm like, hey, the Pistons are playing like a legit basketball team right now. And then you think about it, and like, Philly was a guy, the team that we were looking at as contenders when they made that trade. And now, yeah, Joel Embiid's an MVP candidate. Yeah, James Harden has a, some sort of argument for being an All NBA guy. But this team is still very disappointing to me. And I, I know I'm going on on a legit tirade right now, but it really doesn't matter. Like Demar Derozan, again, like I said, I'm, I don't know how I'm supposed to tie all of this into Demar Derozan. But yeah, Demar Derozan still putting up ridiculous scoring numbers. He just had a 50 bomb a couple uh, a few days ago. And speaking of bombs, Robert Covington, bro, 43. Again, I'm going to, again, I'm, this is me rambling, by the way. This is every episode. If you're the first, this is your first time listening to this episode or listening to my podcast. This is every episode. It's me just rambling. But yeah, Robert Covington having a 43-point game. Probably the most random 40-point uh, game this year. That or my boy Sadiq Bay going off for 50. But not random because Sadiq Bay is the best scorer on this Detroit Pistons team. And I will die on that hill too. Anyways, 
Yeah, DeMar DeRozan, still all, uh, worthy of All-NBA, even though the Bulls fell off. Center on the third team, Rudy Gobert, just because I have no other options. Rudy, again, Rudy Gobert, I don't want to. I didn't want to put on this list him or nor Bam nor uh to be honest, there's no other big man I'd probably put up there. Like after like five or six, it kind of the big man kind of like DeAndre Ayton, because like they're they're a good team and he's a good player, but like yeah, there wasn't really any other big man I could put here. So that being said, the all defensive team. This was probably the most difficult one. That and coming up with the back half of the all rookie team were definitely difficult. The first team on the def- all, all all defensive team again. I almost started off with it because I mentioned it earlier, and y'all can go, y'all can get mad at me when I say this. Patrick Beverly absolutely deserves to be on this team. You look at Minnesota last year, genuinely one of the worst defensive teams in the league. Direct correlation to that being them being one of the worst teams in the league in general. Patrick Beverly comes to this team, basically the only major addition they made in the offseason. Like they got like they got Ed Davis, but again, not a major addition. You look at this team right now. Top ten defense and offense. And it's no secret who's the, the reason behind the defense. Yeah, the offense is good because all D Anthony Edwards, and Carly Towns are all healthy and are actually playing. But none of them are good defenders whatsoever. None of them are above average defenders. D statistically is an above average defender, but he's not actually a good defender. He's a good defender. Because he's playing next to Patrick Beverly. And that's legit. Every team that Patrick Beverly has been on has been an elite-level defensive team. The Clippers were an elite-level defense. Again, I know they were playing with Paul George, Kawhi, etc. But even with the Lou Williams and Danilo Gallinari and like the early Avisa Zubak and you know got a team like that, that was still a top-10 defensive team. Because Patrick Beverly was that guy. Mo Harkless and and on the like they were playing with bad they they were like Mo Harkless is a good defender but Mo Harkless is not a, a leader of a top ten defense come on now like they Patrick Beverly was the leader of that defense you look at Houston they were playing with James Harden and uh, Clint Capella and Eric Gordon and Ryan Anderson and whatnot yeah those teams was good those teams were decent but they were good defensive teams because Patrick Beverly was on those on those teams. You look at this Minnesota team, and again, they're playing with um, D'Lo and Anthony Edwards. And yeah, Jared Vanderbilt absolutely deserves some credit, too, and I had him as my honorable mention. Him and Jaron Jackson Jr. were neck and neck for that forward, that second forward spot. But my goodness, Patrick Beverly is the dead reason that this team is good on the defensive side of the ball. And why is that? The world may never know because Patrick Beverly, Patrick Beverly, Patrick Beverly shut that that every all that that Russell Westbrook talk about. Oh, he's just running around, he's fooling y'all. He shut that down in one season, taking this defensive team from twenty six last year, twenty seventh something ridiculous to top ten this year. And shout out to Pat Bev for that too, man. Uh, second again, self explanatory. Marcus Smart is up there. I spoiler alert: Marcus Smart is also in in uh. He's a nominee of my Defensive Player of the Year candidacy. Because, again, him and Robert Williams both are actually on my first team and are both candidates on my defensive team. And I will give y'all a reason why. Well, for starters, Boston's far and away the best defensive team in the league statistically. And you just watch them, and they're legit suffocating defense. Like, there is it's no secret why they're that great. Even with Robert Williams being out for the last, 
I don't know, week, week and a half maybe, they're still an all-elite level defensive team because Marcus Smart is that good on the perimeter and can guard in the, on the post too. He's not guarding Joel Embiid, I'll put it that like that, but he's showing up all the guards and wings on the like in the paint. And like you just and it's similar to like a younger Chris Paul was where Chris Paul was a guy that was like showing up dudes in defensive end on the paint, but he was like six foot, so dudes was just shooting over him. Granted, KD and like guys like Kevin Durant were missing like shots they usually took because Chris Paul was that effective. Marcus Smart has that same like effectiveness on the defensive end guarding in the paint because he's a bigger body point guard than you would he's like six four, two thirty. Like he's a legit big body at the point guard position where he could probably pass off the pass as a small forward these days because like a lot of guys are playing a lot of teams are playing small and like right now they'd be playing Cleveland in the first round he would probably be getting the Darius Garland matchup he could easily match up with an Evan Mobley he can match up with a, a Laurie Markkinen and it doesn't seem really out of place because he's just that he's that quick and he's that like beefy as a guard to where yeah he could like it, it wouldn't look out of place for him to be guarding a Laurie Markkinen or an Evan Mobley, or even if you like match up in the second round, he'd probably be playing the Bucks, yeah, or Bucks or Raptors. Like it's the Bucks, but you know that's that's the matchup in the second round or in the first round. But he'd be probably be guarding Drew Holiday. He would definitely get some Chris Middleton time, and he might even get some Giannis time because Gian, especially if Robert Williams is still out, he will definitely be getting some Giannis time because they don't want to foul out Jason Tatum early. They definitely don't want to foul out Jalen Brown early. They don't want to foul out Horford early because, again, that's what they're, they're basically their only big man because they're not trusting Daniel Tice these days. But I'm absolutely not counting out Marcus Smart being like being a guy that they want to put on Giannis Antetokounmpo because he's physical and he's quicker, uh, quick enough to guard Giannis Antetokounmpo, who, let's be honest, is quicker than Al Horford and Daniel Tice these days. First team all defense, the next forward on this list. I showed some love to the Phoenix Suns because realistically, this is a great team, but like only the top two get love. I would love to. I'm definitely showing love to Mikael Bridges here for putting him on the first team. And I will tell y'all why I would put Mikael Bridges here. I've mentioned it before on this episode or on this podcast. I've mentioned it for a while now, a few months at this point. Mikael Bridges is low-key one of the best two-way players in, this, in, in, in the league. And... I will preference this by saying, yes, I understand guys like Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and like guys like that exist. But just pure three and D guys, guys who shoot corner threes and are legit paint, like legit defenders of one through four and sometimes five, Mikael Bridges is on that list. Now, granted, I'm, I don't see him developing into a Kawhi Leonard type or even a Paul George type in his career mostly because he's playing with Devin Booker. <laughs> like, he's not going to be an elite elite top five scorer playing with another elite top five scorer because that rarely have ever happened. But believe me, Mikael Bridges could, Bridges could potentially average 20 in his career while still being an all-elite defensive guy. Come on. And on the contract he's on, that's low-key a steal. If, he's good, if he could put up 20 a game and is playing, again, the, a crazy elite defense that he's doing, and it's not like he's guarding – He's picking up every top matchup. Granted, it's not like Devin Booker is a, a liability. He's not a liability on defense. Chris Paul, obviously, is a guy that, spoiler alert, is on my second team all defense. But it's like Jay Crowder's obviously been known for his defense for God knows how long at this point. DeAndre Eaton is not a, a slight on the defensive end either. But Mikael Bridges is the leader of the pack of all of that. And it's a guy that 
you look at the numbers, he's like top. Like you, even if you just look, he's uh, his defensive uh, win shares second among wings. To I believe the first wing on that list was. Uh, uh, my mind's off right now. But uh, defensive block plus minus sixth among wings. If you look at a lot, even just forget the statistics on this one. If you just look at him just on the floor, he's a guy that's annoying you on the defensive end. And again, it's a guy that's motivating a guy like Jay Carter to take the extra step on defense. A guy like Devin Booker, who, yes, he's got to put in so much on the offensive end. But it's also a guy that's got to put in so much on the defensive end because he's playing with a Mikael Bridges. It's just a natural, just like, like a man, like almost like a, a domino effect to where it's like, oh, because he's playing defense, then he's going to be playing defense. And if, because that guy is playing defense, another guy's going to be playing defense. And all of a sudden, you got 12, 13 guys in your rotation that's playing great defense. And that's why you're a top three defense in the league, which is why you're winning 60s plus games going on to win. At this point, 62, 63 games this season. Like, that's why you're like, that's why the Phoenix Suns are the best team in the league. It's because they have so many guys on this team that are great defenders, but it's also guys that you can rely on on the offensive end. And Mikael Bridges is one of the top three leaders on that on that team. It this early in his career, which again, shout out to Mikael Bridges for that. Um, on my the second, uh, the second forward I have on my team, again. Common sense, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Again, another guy that's probably going to be a defensive player of the year candidate. Um, I'm a little bit indifferent on it because, like, it's kind of a boring pick because, again, Giannis is just that good of a defender to where it's like, of course, he's going to be on the defensive team. Like, realistically, the first team is kind of a common sense thing. Unless you just, like, truly just hate Pat, Pat, Pat Bev, this team you probably should not disagree with. Like, again, I understand why most people probably wouldn't be paying attention to Mikael Bridges on defense because they watch the Suns for Chris Paul and Booker and, and Aiton and, I guess, if you care enough, Jay, Jay Crowder. But, like, for a team like the Bucks, you're watching Giannis because he's Giannis, and that's why you should, like, that's the defensive player of the year candidate. Like, that's, again, it's a, you, you watch Giannis to see why he is a defensive player of the year candidate, and when he backs it up, yeah, that's when the argument intensifies. So that's why it's like a common sense thing for Giannis to be on this team. And of course, the guy I think should be defensive player of the year this year. Injury might set his candidacy candidacy back a year. But the guy I feel truly should be the defensive player of the year this year. Robert Williams. Yes. I truly believe Robert Williams is the defensive player of the year this year. I'll give you some some statistics to back it up. Defensive rating, first in the NBA. Like, individual defensive rating, I should say. Blocks, he's second in the NBA. Defensive win shares, top five in the league. Overall, the backbone of the number one defensive rated team in the NBA, points-wise, defensive rating, you know, the points per 100% in possession. This defense... Is tops in all of it, and he is the direct cause of it. I understand Marcus Smart. Yes, Marcus Smart is also on this team for a reason, but let's not overrate the fact that Marcus or that Robert Williams has been the guy on the defensive team. That is, he is the direct cause of why this team is the way that they are. And yes, it goes back to uh, what we said earlier in the season. It's like Robert Williams probably should be getting more tick. We said this last year. Then Robert Williams probably should be the be playing more for the Boston Celtics, honestly, because it was guys that were getting PT. It was like Daniel Tice was getting minutes in. 
uh, and uh, and his canter was getting minutes on this team. And I'm like, why is Robert Williams riding on the bench? And then they paid him. And once they paid him and they started to play him, Robert Williams actually played his butt off. And again, it's the direct cause of them being the number one rated defense in the league. And they low key kind of fell off since he's been injured. That's why I'm like, they're still a good team, but like the the defense is. There's a hole in the de- on this defense now, and it's because it's paint defense. Like if it's not, if it ain't Marcus Smart, does Marcus Smart is probably going to guard your best player? But say Giannis gets into the paint, Al Horford ain't stopping at, at this point in his career. Daniel Tice this season has kind of fallen off on the defensive side of the ball. We're not going to pretend that like Giannis ain't going to dog him for seven games. Tatum's probably going to get it back on the offensive end. We're not going to pretend that like Giannis ain't getting locked up by Daniel Tyson, Al Horford in the playoffs or getting locked up by who they be playing. Like, to, I guess it'll be Toronto. So like Pascal and Scotty Barnes ain't OG Ananobi ain't locking up Giannis. Granted that if, the, if there is one team that's probably going to be the perfect match for Giannis under the combo, it's the Toronto Raptors because there's a bunch of six, eight, six, nine guys that all they do is play defense and Pascal gets his buckets every night. That's what the Toronto Raptors offense or team is built around. Besides Fred Van Vliet. Fred Van Vliet is a smaller guard, but everybody else that plays on this team is a 6'8, six, 6'9 six, forward slash big man. And they all they do is move, man. And that's why I love this Raptors team, man. That's genuinely do a, a team that I love watching because it's a bunch of wings just clamping you up. And then your boys, every now and then to be Gary Trent Jr. and Fred Van Vliet or Scotty Barnes, OG, Pascal, Precious Achua. One of those guys is going to go off at 2025, 20, 30, even in, in a random game. And the Raptors are right back in it. So in the second team, again, tied all of that to Robert Williams somehow. But uh, the second team, again, most of these guys are self-explanatory. But Chris Paul is definitely a guy that I want to put on. I do want to give a shout-out to because Chris Paul, God. Again, Phoenix, one of the best defensive teams in the league, and we credit that to Mikel Bridges also, but Chris Paul definitely deserves his shout too, man. Like, It's weird that like the how we how it became at one point Chris Paul was the most underrated player in the league, and then all of a sudden like Chris Paul got so much love. Probably it was the OKC year, I would assume, is probably what got him a lot of love. But in reality, Chris Paul has always been the same guy. He's ha- He had this reputation, quote-unquote, reputation of being a, a choke artist or whatever in the playoffs. Like and that, that died with the Clippers, if I'm being honest. Really, it died with Houston. But it should have been died down with the Clippers because that team always dealt with a major injury, whether it was Chris, Blake, a key significant role player, DeAndre Jordan, whatever. When DeAndre Jordan would go down and Blake Griffin was playing center, though no matter what, one of those guys was going to go down. And it's a shame that like that that it doesn't get that that team never got to go anywhere past the second round because of injuries. But we can appreciate now Chris Paul being having a good, healthy team around him, and boom, they're legit contenders legitimate contenders in the in the Western Conference. And that's some that's saying something for a guy that Chris Paul again is somebody that's been pretty much overlooked his entire career. No pun like no pun intended. But 
I want to. I just want to specify, but just say Chris, giving Chris Paul his shouts, man. That he's he's been a legit defensive player, defensive point guard for fifteen years now. It's really like seventeen, but we'll give him a couple of leeway years because of injury. He's been a legit defensive point guard for fifteen years, still at age thirty six, thirty seven, whatever. Being a great elite defensive point guard, and it's hard to do that in a league full of really good point guards from one to thirty. I would. That's a great, great, great moniker to have with Chris Paul. Again, second guard Drew Holiday. Again, very much self-explanatory with Drew Holiday. I'm I'm really trying to speed through these. Like a lot of these are just self-explanatory, honestly. Drew Holiday. Uh, the sec first forward of mine is Matisse Thybulle. Again, I understand Matisse Thybulle has a, kind of a a a knock on his resume because he is he's essentially the same player since he got into the league three years ago. But honestly, Matisse Thybulle. He doesn't. He really. I'm mean, granted. You obviously want everybody to take the next step in in development. But Matisse Thybulle right now is a solid enough player for the 76ers team because God, if he's not on this team, this team ain't nowhere near as competitive as as scary as you think they are. Because Matisse on the offense or on the defensive end and James Harden and Joel Embiid on the offensive end, that's a good enough team for the future. Yes, you obviously you want the spacing and, the, and more defense on the team, but. Realistically, you can't have every every team except probably Phoenix, honestly, has a flaw in their game. And that just so happened to be their flaw is the fact that they got one good perimeter defender and no good shooters on the team. Furkan Korkmaz somehow fell off a cliff. Uh, George Niang is like taking like 12 threes off the bench and is really like not that guy that you want taking 12 threes off the bench. But nonetheless, I like this Philly team still. Granted, probably second round exit, maybe conference finals exit. I don't see them winning the championship. I would like for them to win the championship because Joel and James Harden, I think, is a good duo to build for the next year or two. But realistically, realistically I don't see them winning a championship. But nonetheless, Matisse Thibault, I think, is a guy that, again, his defense gets overlooked because he's such a a liability on the offensive end, shooting, shooting-wise. Like, he's a good cutter. He's, I guess, he's a good enough passer for somebody who's not a playmaker. Like, he's a guy that I could see definitely taking the next jump, a jump next year as you know, quote unquote, his contract year comes around, but for the most part, I you just don't want to. See, I don't see that happening in the next two months, which is again why I see them being probably a first round exit, first or not first, but second round exit. Definitely don't see them being a first round exit, but I would just say they they probably will. I won't even say disappoint, but it's it's going to be a situation where yeah, Philly in, inevitably doesn't win a championship, so we look at this as a disappointment because they got James Harden. But in reality, it's just the East is that deep, man. Like somebody's got to lose. One one team in the Eastern Conference is going to lose in the first round, and it's going to be looked at as a disappointment. But realistically, there are legit seven, eight teams in the Eastern Conference. I could see winning a couple series, and boom, all of a sudden. Strap a rocket to them, and boom, they they looked at it as a quote unquote overachiever because of how deep the East is, and whoever they beat, probably Philly, Chicago, whatever, is looked at as a disappointment. But in reality, this is how the East is, man. Like they're just that deep of a team. Now, second forward, I was like I said, I said earlier is between uh, Trey J is between Trey J and uh and Jerry Vanderbilt. I ended up going with Jaron Jackson Jr. just because, again, he's basically leading. He's leading the league in blocks this year, which, again, that's something until like a couple weeks ago I didn't even notice. But yeah, I had to go back and fact check. He is still leading the league in blocks, but is the he's far and away again with Dylan Brooks being injured. 
the best defensive player on this team. Steven Adams is a good paint protector. John Morant can stay in front of his man. Nobody else here. I mean, there's DeAnthony Melton, but his playing time is inconsistent. Same with, like, Tyus Jones and those guys. Really, their bench is actually full of really good defenders. But Jerry Jackson Jr. in that starting lineup is definitely holding the fort for them defensively. And, again, they're, like, the one of the top 10 quote, closer to the middle of the pack in defense. But without Jaron Jackson Jr., you can look at them potentially being bottom 5, 10 in, on, in defense because he is that that impactful on the defensive side of the basketball. And second, couldn't really leave him off this list. Rudy Gobert, man. Like, Rudy Gobert, I think, definitely be the focal point on uh, it. He's, he's the defense for the Utah Jazz. There are no good defenders on this team. Royce O'Neal, potentially. But Rudy Rudy Gobert legitimately is the only good, the above average defender on this team, which is sad that they were the best defensive team in the league with this exact same rotation plus Rudy Rudy Gay. The exact same rotation. They were number one defense. Now they're like like ninth, tenth in defense. How have the mighty fallen? Joe Joe Ingles getting hurt definitely hurts his team too, and they basically flipped they flipped they flipped him for cap space, which cap space turned into Juancho Hernan Gomez and Nikhil Alexander Walker, who only play on this team by necessity, and by necessity I mean injuries. They got Eric Pascal. I was like, man, Eric Pascal definitely should play, be playing on this team. Because he's definitely going to help on the defense. Granted, I don't like him playing center whenever Rudy Gobert is not playing. So that that kind of hurts a little bit. But him definitely being like a forward on this team, he could be a 3 and D guy. Like I really, truly believe that. A guy like Jared Butler, also a really good defender on this that's on this team that probably should be getting more playing time in all honesty. But again, that's just coach, that's more of a coaching thing than just a, a, a player personnel. Because Mike Conley is definitely falling off on defense. From his time in Memphis, to, like in the grindhouse, to him being getting older. That's basically all it is. Donovan Mitchell's never really been a good defender in the NBA. College, he was a great defender. But honestly, since he's been in the league, he's definitely been more focused on the scoring the basketball than he has been on like making the, the winning plays on the defensive side. Boyan Bogdanovich, again, age just kind of caught up to him earlier than we want. That he probably wanted it in all honesty. So it's like that's like the injuries and... Just all of that, in a nutshell, has just been all of that plus everything else that's happened on this team. It's just it's been the direct cause of him, as the direct cause of them being a bad defensive team. I will preface this by saying, if Rudy Gobert is not on this team, then probably the, if substitute Rudy, if all right, knock on wood, Rudy Gobert gets injured and Hassan Whiteside is the starting center, this team is a bottom five defense, easily tanking, not tanking, whatever. They're a bottom five defense. And that's essentially the Rudy Gobert impact. Rudy Gobert, to me, is the only the only reason he's probably second on this team is because I have Rudy or Robert Williams being the defensive player of the year. Not because of Rudy Gobert's talent or anything else, but it's literally because he is the he is he's we flex upon how we uh, how we just basically this is this is the hurtful part of Somebody not being classified as like Robert Williams not being classified as a forward because, yeah, Robert Williams is probably the defensive player of the year in my opinion. Rudy Gobert definitely has an argument for the first team on all, all defense. So you put those two up, up there. Realistically, Rudy just got to come in second, man. That's all it is. Okay, good lord, we've two 
we're almost about an hour, hour and fifteen minutes into this, and we finally hit the rookie teams, man. Again, I will speed through the rookie teams because again, self-explanatory. Uh, first, Cade Cunningham, self-explanatory. He's been a twenty-point scorer for the last month and some change. Uh, month and a half. Really, he people say he had a slow start. It was four games, bro. Come on now. Since basically those four games, he's been an eighteen-point per game scorer, averaging about forty-five percent from the field as a guard. Rookie guard is crazy. So, like, shout out to Cade for that. Evan Mobley, the likely rookie of the year. It's, just, like I said, solid campaign. Got the Cleveland the Cavs, the Lears in the playoffs. Potentially eliminated in the play-in, but likely will be a playoff team. This, he's, like I said, still solid. Franz Wagner, he had a really good start. Had about a four- to five-game stretch in, in March where he had been god-awful. But outside of that, it's really showed his uh, a true development in his game. And, again, it's it's crazy that – like again, somebody who wasn't really that great in college was essentially picked as a project. Has been such a good pick for the Orlando Magic and was looking like potentially their star of the future. So again, shout out to them for that. Uh, the Raptors, Scotty Barnes, again somebody who absolutely has an argument. Literally has got the Raptors in the sixth seed. Granted, All Star Pascal, All Star Fred, et cetera, et cetera. Like, but Scotty Barnes has still been really good for this team. Obviously, it's shown. Leaps and bounds development that probably should have been happening year three, year four of his career. He's showing this now in his rookie year, and I I'm, I'm can't will not wait to see what he does two, three years from now. OKC, OKC, uh, Josh Giddy again, injuries slash tanking has sort of <laughs> called like kind of cooled him down from the rookie year conversation. But in all honesty, Josh Giddy has been really good. He's already I've called it. Not called it, but like I've seen, I said it in the preseason, early regular season. He's already one of the best passes in the league, and I'm again, I can't wait until he gets some actual talent around him. Granted, it's going to be five years from now where everybody's currently in middle school, but the talent that they're going to get around him is absolutely crazy. Even if they trade those picks for a star, he's still going to be an elite passer on this team, and I can't wait to see his development again three, four years down the line. Where he's probably an all-star point guard playing with an all-star guard in the backcourt and Shagels Alexander. Low-key looking like one of the best young backcourts in the league already. And that's just dope to see. Second team, Jalen Green. Jalen Green's absolutely been killing in the last five games. He absolutely had he had a horrendous start and then the injury and then sick. And then I understand again, I had my hate for Jalen Green, mostly because of what he said about Detroit. Not even not even just him as a player person or even as a player, just about what he said. At the end of the day, it's all troll. We just here to have fun. But yeah, Jalen Green last five, six games averaged thirty plus. So it's like, yeah, Jalen Green, of course, he deserves to be on the all rookie second team. Granted, he's on the all rookie second team because there've been legit five guys in, this, in here that all had an argument for rookie of the year for the first four or five months of the season, and he just did it. That's all it is. But yeah, lately, good lord, he's been absolutely hooping. Is probably going to be a, a, a number one scorer for this team down the line, whether they win or not. Who knows? But he's definitely going to be that guy uh, down the line. Uh, I would assume that for the Chicago Bulls, he's starting point guard on a team, that, or essentially the starting point guard on a team that's currently in the playoff mix. So I guess that's something to, to talk about. Like he's he's had a, a few good games, but realistically, he's playing. He's just playing his role. That's basically all it is. Jalen Suggs, again, somebody's experienced inconsistent playing time because he's playing with six seventy three other point guards in the Orlando Magic rotation. So yeah, like that's kind of what's hurt him. But overall, still a double digit score early in his in his career. Playing with again so many other point guards and Cole Anthony and Markel Fultz, R.J. Hampton, Franz Wagner. We talked about he's a, a wing on this team. Wendell Carter, who's taking the next step in his development, Mobamba, etc. Playing with so much talent, but he, he's able to get his in and 
that's what, like I said, that's that in itself is pretty impressive. But even that, he hasn't had that one defining moment that's like, yeah, that's why I, I want him as a, as a a future star on this team. But realistically, he's just consistent. That's all it is. I would like for the efficiency to come up. But again, he's a rookie guard in, in a tough conference. So, you know, it's going to take some development. But again, that's just that's just uh, how it is. Next, Jonathan Kuminga. Again, product of the fact that he's playing it on a team where everybody on that team is a great NBA player. That's literally why he's on the second team and probably not going to make the uh, – he honestly has an argument for probably not even making the second team. But – in reality, he's been too good to not leave on this team. Like, realistically, he's such a great scorer at the basket and is actually one of the best scorers at the basket, like, slash into the basket in the league, not just as rookies, but just overall all 450 players in the NBA. That's that's even big impressive because when you look at Jonathan Kaminga, yeah, he's a slim frame, but, he's again, he's still a 6'9 wing playing with some of the best scorers scores shooters that ever lived so of course he's going to be a guy that's going to get a lot of open sh- uh shots at the rim a lot of open shots in general and that's kind of what's helped him out is the fact that he's playing with other really good players and is more than holding his own as a rookie on a potential contender and the last guy on my second team herb jones because he had about a month and a half stretch with the new orleans pelicans but he was low-key looking like the best player on the floor because brandon ingram had been injured and i think he, I think he had COVID at one point and then, uh, of course, Zion been out. So, like, they were kind of looking for a guy to step up. And this before the CJ trade, obviously. So, it's basically him and Josh Hart at that point. So, it's like, you know, I can't really fault him for what he did um, or what he's not. But real, real, realistically, I, he needs to be a starter on this team. Because when you look at the rest of this team, CJ, Brandon Ingram, Zion, Jonas Valanciunas, the worst defensive team you could come up with off the top of your head. Herb Jones is going to be the a guy that's locking and that has to lock up to make this team even serviceable on the defensive side of the ball next year because nobody else is going to be trying on that defensive side. Let's be honest here, y'all. All right, I think we're going to be taking a break right there just so I can go stretch my legs and we could come back and do the awards. All right, we're back. Um, I do want to preface this by saying. Some of the MVP candidates are, or some of the award candidates are self-explanatory. Some of them have a very obvious winner. No spoilers. So if these take not nearly as much time as y'all think they will, it's because, again, like six men of the year is obvious. Most improved player is obvious. I don't even have a graphic for it. So that's, that's how you know. Like, it's very, it really is that obvious. MVPs is probably, I would say the MVP for last, man, because. Uh, actually, y'all been sitting here for an hour and a half. So yeah, y'all definitely get the MVP candidates. Um, we'll definitely start off with MVP. Nikola Jokic, Joel Embiid, Giannis Antetokounmpo. It's been done to death. Been talked about for six months at this point. So I'm not even going to bore y'all with the statistics and the the backgrounds and all of this. We ranted about Nikola Jokic in the MVP conversation earlier, so no need to get into that right now. Of course. My opinion, Nikola Jokic is the MVP. Again, I've been preaching this since December. I can go back and literally look at titles of my episodes where I've publicly said Nikola Jokic is my MVP. Now, again, it could be 
so a lot of it could be skewed as a as potential bias. I have zero bias, first of all. Like I'm, well, I mean, I do I do troll when it comes to bias when it comes to Detroit Pistons, but in reality, I don't I don't go out of my way to be quote unquote bias. I simply just all right. So yeah, literally just got back and on no on January twentieth was my first titled MVP or Jokic MVP uh conversation. Now I will again I will preference all of this by saying Nikola Jokic is the MVP not because of statistics. Again, it's all situation. Joel Embiid is granted he's Joel honestly Giannis is probably the best team of the three guys. Joel Embiid is probably putting up the best numbers. Eh, him or Giannis? I mean honestly they're all putting up ridiculous numbers because they wouldn't be in this conversation in the first place. But I think Joel Embiid is probably, again, based on him being a big man, I'd say, or a legit big man. Like, I think he could, I think he's probably putting up the best stats. Nikola Jokic is in putting, doing this in easily the worst situation of the three. Yo, Joel is probably playing with another really good scorer in Jalen, in James Harden. And even this year, Tyrese Maxey is definitely taking a step up from his rookie year. Even Tobias Harris is a decent enough scorer these days. What Jokic is playing with right now, and again, we've had this conversation a hundred times, the team right around him is genuinely bad. A bad fit, I should say. Aaron Gordon's not a bad basketball player, but he's not a good fit with Nicole Jokic because essentially they've turned him into a 3 and D guy because who, who, who occasionally does good dunks. That's, that's basically what Aaron Gordon has turned into. Will Barton is sort of is, I guess you can label him as a shot creator. As a shot creator, like that, even that, I'm almost about to laugh when I say that. Like, you, I guess you can label him as a shot creator, similar to like really, like I said, honestly, I don't even know what like I can't out. It's it's it it boggles my mind what Nikola Jokic can do with the little talent. Like when he gets Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. back, I fully believe this team is capable of is capable of winning a championship. That'll probably be next year if Phoenix is older and this might be a quote-unquote fluke season from Memphis and, you know, the uh, like some Denver, or sorry, Utah blows it up and, like, there's some ch- a chance that Denver could potentially be a championship team next year. Don't be surprised if Nikola Jokic is a finals MVP in 2023. Right before he hits free agency, by the way. I will, again, I will preference all of this by saying it's crazy to say that Nikola Jokic is potentially a a five-time or a he's I think he's like what a five six-time five-time all-star at this point maybe four actually I don't know but again it's for four or five years at this point that we've come to know Nikola Jokic as a legitimate NBA big man how really how disrespected this man still is and again, he doesn't look like your prototypical basketball player. You look at him; he's just your seven-foot male man, quote unquote. You just look at him; he's not—he's not this this big, muscly built, you know, freight train that's doing three sixty windmills. No, he's winning. He's doing this. He's playing the game purely based off of IQ, and is putting up twenty six, thirteen, and eight. Just so happens, while he's playing with you know, just purely based on IQ. That's and that's what's more impressive than Joel Embiid hunting fouls or Giannis using his athleticism to get to the basket. And again, 
I don't knock those guys for how they get their bucks because at the end of the day, they're still 30-point scores in the NBA. So naturally, you know, you give their respect where respect is due. I think I just think that the way Nikola Jokic does it is more difficult than how Joel gets his buckets or how Giannis gets his buckets. Granted, Giannis, he does the difficult stuff too, man, because he him doing step-back threes and, you know, in double crosses into pull-up mid-rangers. Like that—that's difficult work too. Joel Embiid does his work too. He doesn't have his difficult buckets every now and then, but most of his points does come from the free throw line, James Harden style. Like I will say, Jokic—the way Jokic is Jokic plays is just different, man. Like it's, it's something is revolutionary in a way. In in a, in a way, it feels revolutionary, but also, like it's something—it's traditional and not traditional at the same time, which. I guess is the best way to to describe Nikola Jokic is he's traditional, but he's also not traditional at the same time because he's a big man that can handle, pass, shoot, you know, rebound, score, way better defender than past years. That's what it's 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 awesome to see, man. Now, other awards again. These rookie year is probably the only other award I will take a crazy amount of time to uh, decipher because. I went into my defensive player of the year arguments earlier with the guys like Mikael Bridges and Robert Williams and Marcus Smart and Giannis under the couple for that matter. Six man of the year is again it's a given that Tyler Hero's winning six man of the year this year. Rookie of the year though. Kay Cunningham, Scotty Barnes, Evan Mobley. You know who the top who the top three is. Again, it's been it's done to death for the last month and a half, two months at this point. Once Giddy went out and Franz Wagner sort of fell off and Jalen Green started his rookie of the year case a little too late. It became these three guys. Now, who I would like to win uh, uh, rookie of the year, obviously, is Kay Cunningham. He's on my team. He's to me is like the future star of this team, superstar of this team. I think he like a, a rookie of the year is the first step to him becoming a superstar player in the NBA. But realistically, Evan Mobley, I think, is the rookie of the year, and I'll tell you why. First of all, the Cavs are winning. He's making a significant contribution on a winning team. Even post Darius Garland getting uh was out for a few games. Jared Allen out long term. Laurie Markkinen was out. Dean Wade now out for the uh, season. Colin Sexton went down earlier in the year. Uh, Isaac Coro has definitely been <laughs> one of the more inconsistent players on this team. Like they, the like what he's playing with. He's playing with like Lamar Stevens and Brandon Good. Like he's playing with like t- like this team is not good. But Evan Mobley statistically one of the best defensive and even had an argument again. He was an argument for me for being an all-defensive second team. Like, he was a legit all-defensive big man. Just the fact that he's playing, like, so many good defenders in the NBA, that like, you can't really argue. Like, there's legit not a whole lot of arguments that can be made for one being over the other. It's just preference at that point. But Evan Mobley, I think, is – he legit has an argument for being a, a bare minimum second-team second, second team on defense. It's just was placement for him. But honestly, I could have put him in there, and it wouldn't look out of place because he's been that good on the defensive side of the ball. He's looking like a young Anthony Davis every time you step him on the floor, and it depends on what, how do you view Anthony Davis as a basketball player, whether good or bad. Still, a, like I said, is a great compliment to give somebody that's 20, at best, 20 years old. But again, would love to give shout-outs to Kay Cunningham, obviously. 
I smile, smile every time I watch him play because you see this team turning around because of Kate Cunningham. And, of course, Scotty Barnes. Obviously, the Raptors are a playoff team, so naturally. And he's putting honestly putting up the best numbers of everybody that's a playoff team right now. So it would would look, or of the three rookie out of gear candidates, I should say, like why not put like Scotty Barnes absolutely has his <laughs> has his uh his place in in the uh, in the rookie year conversation. Again, we mentioned earlier six man of the year candidacy. It's Tyler Hero. Like I don't think there's really any ar- argument for Tyler Hero. Borderline All Star coming off the bench, average twenty one five and four. You can argue he's basically playing starter minutes, but he deserves to be playing starter minutes because well he's a starting caliber guard on this team is the fact that like they need scoring off the bench. So naturally Tyler hero there. And of course, Duncan Robinson being a shooter, although lately Duncan Robinson has been coming off the bench, which I find it funny because we kind of slandered them from giving them that big contract. And now that he's an inconsistent shooter, he's essentially been, he's basically Kyle Corver at the end of his career. That is essentially the, the Duncan Robinson role at this point where he's playing with like, it's like Max Struess is now starting and, like, you know, Gabe Vincent was getting heavy minutes. And, like, this team all in all has been – a lot of guys have been playing heavy minutes on this team. But now, like you said, you, Tyler, Tyler Hero's probably been the one consistent guy that hasn't really stayed – hasn't been, uh, like, injury bugged. Like he's he's missed games, obviously, but it's not like a guy that's missed 20, 25 games like a Jimmy Butler or Bam or Kyle Lowry or, you know, other guys on this team. Marquise Morris, like, he's been a guy that's legit played – 70 plus games on his team and has been a 20 point score leading them to the first seed in the Eastern conference playing this way. Like that's what the, that's what we are getting out of this is that he's a legit 20 point score. And he on the, off the bench on the first seed in the, in the Eastern conference, I think third best record in the NBA. So of course he gets that, uh, that nod, but I do want to give shout outs to other guys like Kelly, uh, Kelly Uber Jr. Well, absolutely. He's I, he's definitely had his moments where he started this year, especially when uh, Rozier went out. He was a, definitely been a starter for uh, Charlotte this year. And Jordan Clarkson, a guy that like almost exclusively comes off the bench nowadays, similar to like Lou Williams with the Clippers. Like he's almost a guy that doesn't like to be a starting point guard because he's not a playmaker, and neither is Donovan Mitchell, boy, Donovan or anybody else on this team. Like so, yeah, he naturally has to be that that heat check guy off the bench, and nobody's going to take shots from him because realistically. Like when, especially when Mike Conley was injured, like Jared Butler isn't going to take shots from Mike Conley or from Jordan Clarkson, I should say. Uh, Mieoni back when he was on the Jazz, he's not going to take shots from him. Like realistically, uh, uh, Elijah Hughes, none of these dudes are going to be taking shots from Jordan Clarkson. So of course he's going to be getting 20, uh, 15, 20 shots a game off the bench. And he puts up the numbers because of it. And he was a six man, he was literally six man of the year last year because of that and is in the running to me this year. Again, not going to win, but he definitely deserves a top three, top five placement. Again, defensive player of the year. We made arguments this year. I told you Robert Williams, I think, deserves to be, again, the best defender on the best team. Naturally, I think, is kind of the, the argument here. But also, like I said, we, I gave you the statistics. You know, number one big man when it comes to uh, defensive, uh, on the defensive rating. Number two in blocks. Again, top five in a league in blocks, obviously. And again, the number one, or sorry, top five in uh, win shares, number two in blocks. And it literally was the backbone of a defense that was number one in the league for a good stretch of of 2022. And I think that that definitely deserves some uh, definitely deserves a, a nod there. Of course, like we said, we market, mentioned Marcus Smart, too. I gave Mikael Bridges his shouts. Uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo obviously deserves his his uh, placement, too. I just think it's going to be uh, Robert Williams, obviously. 
But uh, and the final award, kind of in, ending on a slight down note, slight down some down note. Uh, coach of the year, it's Taylor Jenkins. I don't think there's anybody else that really is going to to take this away from him. Uh, Eric Eric Spolstra is obviously a guy that, like, I say he he's obviously always going to get his shots too. So like, it's there's no reason why we shouldn't give him his his award. Somebody else that I absolutely respect to uh for the for the rest of time, bro. Especially I gave him a little bit of uh uh some slick talk early in the year, but Ime Udoka obviously deserves his play. I was somebody that was high on uh on him in the middle of the. Year. Like in the like in the off season, and then once the season started and they were ice cold, I was ready to blame Ime Udoka on not being as good of a coach as I advertised in the off season, but definitely proved me right and wrong at the same time. So naturally, it's it's signed to uh, it's dope to see. But yeah, I do have Taylor Jenkins. Just what he's done with this Memphis team is absolutely like God God worthy. Like you, it, he deserves the praise, all the praise that he's gotten for this team, that he's getting uh, for what he's done for his team, and it's just dope to see, man. All right, so before we close out, um, a couple of news, uh, news we do, we usually do, we usually open up with news, but uh, um, I do want to close out with news. Uh, uh Tennessee's Kennedy Chandler, uh, SEC tournament MVP, has officially entered the NBA draft, and uh, I. I can see him potentially being top fifteen potential lottery. More, I'd say more late teens, early twenties probably would be a realistic pick for him. But I wouldn't be surprised that he if he gets picked in the lottery. Uh, the Bulls, Zach Levine is likely out to be uh, uh likely to be out tonight versus the Bucks. <sighs> Again, sucks, man. That currently they're tied with the Raptors, which yeah, the Bulls fall to six, man. That's gonna be super rough to see. Come playoff time. Uh, for agent guard Luca Vadoza, he was on the Pelicans. No, he was on. Sorry, he was on the Knicks. I remember he sounded like a four-year deal with the Knicks, and then he ends up getting. He ended up getting waived like early in the season. But he's a free agent, uh, Spanish League MVP back in 2020. He got signed with the Milwaukee Bucks. That it, uh, that'll take him through the uh, through next season. So it's a two, basically a two-year deal. He had a surgery in uh in the play. Uh, he had surgery a little bit last year, but uh. It's dope, like I said, it's dope to see that uh, he's getting uh, a second shot in the NBA, man. Like I said, it's it's dope to see guys that you don't usually expect to see uh, getting minutes, but it is dope to see. Um, since the last podcast, uh, Portland has signed Drew Eubanks and Chris Dunn to hardship deals for the remainder of the season. Good for them, man. Like I said, I'm done talking about the Portland Trailblazers because they're genuinely, this is going to be a team that is like trying to. Uh, they are absolutely going to try and, and uh, finesse a lot of teams, and none of them are going to work. So nice to see Portland back in the lottery next season. All right, man, I think we can close out the podcast there, though. If you missed the previous 103 episodes of the podcast, of course, we talked with Narayan a few, shoot, it's been seven episodes at this point. Uh, we talked, had a conversation with my boy Narayan. Of course, we did episode 100, March 14th. We did... Um, We've done the pod pods. I do recommend checking out all the pod pods if you uh, missed them. I think I timestamped one of the pod pods in the uh, in the description on the last episode. If I didn't, DM me, uh, text me, whatever. Like I said, I can absolutely uh, find a t- timestamp if you don't want to go through an hour plus of basketball podcasts. 
But uh, if you, like I said, if you want to check out the pod pods, if you check out the, um, if you check about and check out the, even if you just want to check out the basketball ones, we do have a website now. We are on uh, WordPress, WordPress, WordPress dot com slash Zaycom Podcast. Um, like I said, we you do like I said, you can find the podcast. You can do some editorial. We are looking for editorials now for uh the, for the website. Just simply as just trying to find, just trying to uh, branch our audience out. Not just podcasting, but podcasting people who read articles, people who read newsletters, people who maybe just here for uh just just to, uh, just to hang out, just chill with the boy. But yeah, like I said, if you missed any of that, you can of course check out the podcast on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, or Apple Podcasts, on WordPress, on the WordPress website, and of course right here on Anchor. Until next time, I love you. You love me. Let's love each other. Goodbye.